the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial women. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA, FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Good morning. The sun is shining and the, with the snow, it's beautiful out there. This morning, in but it's also a little cold. <laughs> it was it was eight degrees at my house this morning, and uh, we're going to get into the low twenties today. And with the sun, it will be a, just a great day out there to get out there, dress warmly, take a walk, be careful. It's going to be the start of a cold week with highs in the low. Uh, in the low 20s and some nights below zero. Uh, when the snow covers the landscape, it hides all the imperfections and makes the view from my office absolutely beautiful. It looks like a Christmas card, and I can talk with my clients on the phone or on FaceTime and enjoy the scenery, and we visit and we talk about financial planning. And there's a bird feeder uh, nearby, and I can watch the uh, annex of the birds, the cardinals and the chickadees and the nuthatches. And they put on quite a show. And the only price of admission is to trudge outside every once in a while and fill up the bird feeders. And let's remember to spend some of our time this week uh, pulling together the uh, numbers for the tax man. It's not due until April 15th, but 
it's a lot easier to get the job done in small bites rather than waiting until the last minute. And lest you forget, next Sunday, February 14th, is Valentine's Day. So that's a week away, and this is a good time to make arrangements for your Valentine. After that, you can relax and tend to the the lesser tasks, like checking on our investments. This week, equity markets were mostly positive. They were buoyed by the buoyed up by the uh, increasingly realistic expectations of a 1.9 billion dollar fiscal stimulus package arriving soon. Uh, that's in combination with the COVID uh, cases continually decreasing as vaccinations increase, and that's causing a sense of optimism that is basically propelling just about everything, including the equity market. Investors are looking forward to the benefits of both the vaccines as well as the stimulus. And the volatility in the market that uh, has also declined this week after soaring at the end of uh, January to its highest level since late October, the tempest in the teapot that started with uh, small individual investors from the uh, chat room, uh, Wall Street uh, uh, bet. Uh, they drove up uh, stocks of GameStop, of GameStop and ABC Entertainment, and that ended with the uh, GameStop getting about 84% of their price so far, and then AMC uh, Entertainment, they, they declined about 45%. So there's been a tremendous loss of dollars in terms of this whole uh, pump and dump scheme in terms of uh, building up the the uh, prices to uh, put a squeeze on the shorts. So, and overseas, you know, the uh, uh, the uh, stocks, Europe, 600, uh, that advanced this week, and uh, so did the uh, FTSE and the, uh, for Europe, for uh, UK, and the uh, DAC for uh, uh, Germany, and also in Asia, the... Uh, Nikkei, Japanese Nikkei, uh, was up. South Korea's Kapsi uh, was up. Uh, the Hang Seng in uh, Hong Kong was up, and Shanghai was up. So basically, around the globe, uh, it was pretty much a positive uh, week for equities. And returning now to that uh, question about the $1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus, President Biden has met with uh, uh, 10 uh, Republican uh, senators on Tuesday in an attempt to uh, forge some sort of a bipartisan compromise. Uh, The Republican contingent offered a smaller stimulus package, and uh, they had a well-publicized meeting with the president. But the Democratic leaders of the House and the Senate, they continue to prepare for a budget reconciliation process. Yesterday, uh, the Senate voted uh, 51 to 50 after Vice President uh, Carmela Harris broke her first tie to adopt a uh, budget blueprint for President Joe Biden's uh, $1.9 trillion virus relief package. The House had already adopted its budget resolution, but will likely have to vote again to agree upon the Senate's uh, language, 
once that's done, that's done, the Democrats will be able to craft a relief bill in the coming weeks that will pass without any Republican votes under the uh, special budget rules of the recon- reconciliation, budget reconciliation uh, process. So uh, even though the White House and others still say they want a bipartisan uh, final product, uh, discussions regarding the stimulus will continue uh, as the House and the Senate formulate their language for the actual bill. They're expected to have a final bill ready around the middle of this month. And according to uh, articles in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the $15 an hour mandate uh, may not make it into the final bill. And the $1,400 check, uh, that may be more targeted in terms of uh, the income uh, ranges for the recipients. So it looks as if it's going to be a done deal for the $1.9 trillion. Uh, that'll make a, a tremendous boost to the market. And while this is happening, the coronavirus pandemic continues to uh, constrain us and our economy. The virus is still controlling and uh, restricting our lives. But the number of new cases and deaths are uh, gradually falling. The number of new daily cases has dropped from approximately uh, 240,000 new cases a day. Uh, That was immediately after the holidays. And now it's about 125,000 cases per day as of last week. The number of deaths per day remains at approximately 4,000 deaths per day. But that is expected to fall in the future. Uh, There has been a lot of progress. Uh, We now have uh, uh, we now have the the the, uh, processors or the producers of the virus of the vaccine, uh, Pfizer, of BioNTech. That's one group. They'll deliver 200 million doses by the end of May. Uh, Moderna, they're due to deliver uh, 200 million doses by the end of June. Uh, They're going to deliver 100 million by the end of March and the other 100 million by the end of June. And the uh, federal government has also exercised the options for uh, another 100 million for each one of those, for the Pfizer as well as for the Moderna. And those are due in the summer. The, uh, the uh, extra doses. And uh, uh, J&J, Johnson & Johnson, uh, they completed their phase test uh, pro- program and presented the results to uh, the government on Thursday, and they're expected to be approved for emergency treatment next week. So uh, they're probably good. They say they're good for uh, 100 million doses by uh, July. And uh, their their plans are to uh, process uh, a billion uh, doses this year. And uh, AstraZeneca, uh, they uh, they're primarily uh, focused on Europe, and they just want emergency approval for the uh, the EU and the uh, UK. And as we mentioned last week, the price of the pace. Of vaccination has to increase. Right now, it's 1.35 million cases per, uh, 
doses per day, but it's got to get up to somewhere around 2.6 million in order to uh, immunize 80% of the population uh, by the middle of the summer. Uh, figure the middle of the summer is, let's say, the 1st of August. Uh, that was the understanding that we had in November when they first uh, came out with the successes of the uh, vaccines. Everybody started talking about that it would be, uh, we would be coming out of this COVID in the middle of uh, the summer. Uh, Fauci talked about uh, herd, uh, herd immunity uh, by as representative of 80% of the population. So, hey, if I take 80% of the population and take away the number who have uh, who have already experienced the COVID, and they should be uh, uh, they should be immune, and then I've also given uh, uh, so many. I've given about 38 million doses out so far, and basically what I'm looking at is that uh, uh, the United States has to um, get out 400 and uh, about 420 million doses uh, by the end of uh, the uh, July and there's only 168 or 170 days from now to the end of July so mainly we're talking about that two 2.6 million uh, doses per day number and we're only uh, running at uh, uh, 1.35 million doses. So somebody has got to pick up the pace and uh, get this thing up to a, a level uh, that's that commensurate with this with the production schedule of these vaccines. In the case of Ohio, basically we have to uh, move the the uh, pace up from something like 57,000 doses a day to something like uh, 100,000 doses a day. So uh, it's, a, it's a necessary thing, but the whole the, the step up in the economy is basically dependent upon getting this uh, COVID under control. And if we, if we keep at our process right now of 1.35 million doses per day, and the figure we're going to put out something in the order of 400 million uh, uh, doses uh, to inoculate the population. We're talking about uh, till we'll be we'll be inoculating until Christmas of uh, this year. So uh, the politicians and the, the people in charge of this have got to pick up the pace. If you take a look at what's dependent upon that. Uh, the lives of people are, are basically dependent upon it. But from all the economic data, it's basically obvious that the economy is ready to spring back to life whenever we get around to conquering the virus. Uh, we can visualize the economy in two parts. Uh, one section is directly exposed to the virus. And uh, that's the restaurants and the theaters and the sporting events and the airlines and travel and the hotels. That section of the economy has beaten has been beaten to the ground, and that won't revive until we can conquer the virus and people can feel comfortable congregating again. If we get the people vaccinated by midsummer, then hey, that section of the uh, 
economy will start to revive in the second half of this year. And the other part of the economy, which is a larger part, uh, that's rebounded since the mandatory shutdown in uh, March and April, where we shut down the whole economy. And uh, the recovery has been mostly V-shaped, you know, as V-shaped as it can be in terms of uh, all the decisions that have to be made, uh, with some hiccups along the way. But it's almost regained the ground that was lost in uh, March and April. So we're almost back to where we were before the pandemic for that part of the economy. And both both parts could uh, uh, really rebound if we can conquer the virus. And the, the people in, in the uh, almost recovered sector, they've been working and saving. They're saving. Uh, if you got a job, uh, you're saving it about, uh, and you haven't been disrupted by this, this COVID, you're saving at approximately 14% of the take-home right now, which is approximately twice as much as before the COVID. And uh, what you're seeing in is that section of the economy, uh, their worth has increased by the increase in home prices. Like I mentioned before, home prices in the, in the Cleveland area have gone up probably 10%. Uh, this year, uh, according to the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, they've increased their 401ks and their IRAs and their 403bs. So they're basically, their net worth as well as their savings, uh, savings by not going on vacations or uh, going to restaurants or theaters, uh, the people, the workers, uh, in that particular sector of the economy, are in reasonable shape. They're still mightily concerned about what's going to happen. But as far as uh, uh, comparing those to the people who have lost their jobs and have drawn down on their retirement and everything else, uh, that section of the economy, workers in that section of the economy, are in good shape. The big companies, the big companies have been selling bonds in this cheap interest environment. And uh, they're flush with cash. And uh, considering the savings that the, uh, the the people have, the consumers have uh, put away, uh, sooner or later, when this virus is over, uh, this this money is going to begin to burn a hole in uh, their pockets. So now is basically the time to get serious and basically to wrap up on this. Uh, uh, vaccination situations. It can be done. All of you know, case of uh, uh, case of Ohio, all it takes is uh, increase the rate by you know double the rate. Uh, they've got the personnel to do it. So uh, the important thing is uh, uh, the politicians have to realize that get going. Uh, other than other than the the uh, stimulus. And the, the COVID, uh, the, the economy, when you take a look at the jobs, take a look at the uh, uh, manufacturing and other parts of the economy, uh, the economy is, is moving along. In fact, manufacturing is, uh, and we'll talk about that later in the show, that's picked up the pace and uh, also in the service industries. Let's talk about the uh, job situation. The job situation, the Department of Labor 
put out their job situation in uh, uh, Friday. And according to the latest results, uh, U.S. employers, according to the Wall Street, uh, U.S. employers added 49,000 jobs last month, returning growth to the labor market after a one-month dip. Uh, when the unemployment and the, now the unemployment rate stands at 6.3 percent, uh, the, uh, the 49,000 gain for January uh, came after the payrolls really fell steeply in uh, uh, December, the first decline since the uh, COVID and pandemic uh, triggered the shutdowns in last spring. Jobs grew steadily in business and professional services. Um, many sectors, though, lost jobs. Uh, the leisure and hospitality, they lost 61,000 jobs in January after a steep decline of, uh, of over 500,000 jobs in December. So other people that have lost it are retailers and healthcare uh, companies. Uh, late last year, many states and local governments mandated that uh, businesses like restaurants close or reduce operations to combat the rising number of virus cases. Some places have recently loosened these restrictions and uh, positive areas. The things that are seeing uh, results are uh, manufacturing, uh, shows an increase in demand. For goods, uh, low interest rates pushed that particular sector. Economists think that the winter low is regarded as temporary, and they expect the growth to pick up later this year as more people get vaccinated and business restrictions uh, ease. Many economists say that the economy could benefit from further government stimulus, and that's that $1.9 trillion stimulus that we were talking about. And uh, in the recovery, what you're going to see is that companies are going to be struggling to find workers uh, because of the, the share of the people seeking uh, work remains depressed. Uh, the labor force participation rate was down to 61.5 in, in December from 63.3 uh, uh, in February before the pandemic. So. Uh, people are are basically constrained by the COVID. Some people are afraid they don't want to work because they're afraid they're going to catch it. Other people have childcare responsibilities, uh, and other people are just limited by the uh, discouraged by the number of uh, job opportunities that are there right now. So, uh, you know, the, the important thing is that. Uh, the, the government has to step up the uh, the process and get this over with, uh, so that the economy can really uh, bounce uh, uh, back once this uh, constraint is removed. And you know, talking about uh, what's happening in the economy in the big picture, uh, we also have to realize that uh, the most important picture is not the uh, and maybe an equally important part is the uh, the micro uh, planning that has to go along. In other words, what do what are we doing uh, with regard to our finances? Uh, certainly, in terms of uh, 
what's happening if we do still have a job, even if we're working from home. Uh, what we're seeing is the stock market is up, the housing uh, prices are up, our net worth is up, uh, and uh, how are we incorporating that into our financial plan? Uh, have we identified our goals? Have we identified how we're going to meet those goals um, by setting aside our paychecks, a certain portion of our paychecks each uh, uh, each pay period uh, to fund different investments that will hopefully grow uh, to the point where they can meet our goals in the future. Like retirement, you, you, you start saving for retirement basically when you're uh, when you get your first job nowadays, you're generally ended up you generally end up in a 401k uh, program, or in the old days we they used to end up with a, a pension program. It used to address the uh, retirement, and but other times there's cost of living, there's the standard of living, there's the uh, children's education, uh, there's all sorts of goals that have to be met in funds that have to be set aside and uh, watched and uh, uh, revised as the uh, situation uh, changes. So part of that is watching, uh, part of that is putting together that financial plan and then uh, staying on top of it um, and and making sure that it works the way you want it to work. in that light, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. We'll be glad to answer any questions you have with regard to your financial uh, plans or uh, what you're seeing in the big picture. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, Give us us a call. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultant Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. To get rich slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. You can talk about uh, what's important in your life, 
either in the micro uh, planning or the big plan. So, um, Colleen, did we have a question there? We did. Beth gave us a light. Yes, 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 we have a light. Um, Beth gave us a call, Jim. And she wants to know, what is your opinion about the talk of canceling student loan debt? Uh, She wants to know, after putting three boys through college, do you think this will really happen? Uh, It's a good question. It's an excellent question. And it's going to take a a lot of debating uh, because it's not a cheap question. Uh, It's not something you can say, oh, uh, let's... uh, Let's just mandate something and have business pay for. Uh, this is a question that uh, um, was campaigned on. I don't know if President Biden directly uh, campaigned on it. I think he talked about uh, eliminating ten thousand dollars of the student loan debt. But uh, this, this is a money issue in terms of how many billions of dollars it can it will cost. Uh, I've seen numbers like, uh, well, let's talk about the proposals. Uh, I think uh, Schumer, uh, who is the uh, uh, majority leader in the Senate, uh, he he was uh, saying that they should consider uh, uh, 50, uh, uh, you know, canceling $50,000 worth of the student debt. And each one of these proposals, you got to look at uh, uh, what's it going to cost, and basically the cost of the ten thousand was something like uh, uh, four hundred and fifty billion dollars. I don't know what the fifty thousand dollar cancellation amounts to, but it's a big number. And the question is, okay, uh, people got a college education. Uh, they racked up some debt, but it's just like investing in any asset. Uh, you invest in an asset because you hope that it will pay off in the long run. So people make decisions, and uh, uh, they got their education. They got their hopefully they got an increase in their uh, ability to earn wages. They earn money, so there was a they did buy an asset, and now we're talking about. Uh, the price of it. Now, some people, the argument's going to be, uh, some people have have uh, uh, paid for uh, their education already. So canceling somebody else's debt and asking them to help pay for that cancellation is not going to be fair. Other people have taken loans out from different areas, uh, private and, uh, banks and stuff like that, other people have taken home equity loans out. Uh, so you have different uh, stakeholders in, in this discussion about, uh, hey, what's fair? And uh, in terms of uh, making, a, making a choice, a business choice, and, and this, in, you know, that brings up the question, college is a business choice. There's no doubt about it. And uh, the way we're going about it, letting letting eighteen uh, year olds make decisions that that are, that are involving uh, um, orders of you know maybe like uh, 
sixty or seventy thousand dollar decision when they're eighteen years old, and that sixty or seventy thousand dollars, a lot of that is is uh, family money that's being committed. So, uh, but that's that's another that's a discussion for another day. Uh, the discussion today is how much is it going to pay, how much is it going to cost, and who's going to pay for it, and how are you going to convince these people that are going to pay for it uh, and then didn't get any uh, uh, benefit of it? They didn't get they didn't go to college, uh, but they're asked to pay for it. They went to college and they paid for it in another fashion, and you're asking them to pay for your college. Um, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty good debate. Uh, you're not going to the politicians are, are think they're going to uh, get some votes out of this thing, but they might get some votes in the wrong direction when this is all over. So, uh, so with, with regard to your question, can't give you a good answer other than that it's a, it's a darn good question. Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see how this pans out. Uh, let's go to the phones again. Jim McAleese here. Can I help you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, John. How yes, are you? Now, I want to ask you a question. Educate me, please. Why is it some of the bad habits are still going on? For example, pollution control. Some country, some companies can invest new money, and some of them cannot. Then you can buy the credit from some of the states. That means they're muddying the earnings before taxes. The bottom line mm-hmm. is somewhat polluted, right? Right. So, right. The, you, you you see that in the you see that in the car industries and the and the oil industries. You know, that's right. And you're, so, and, and so that means <laughs> the high flyers like are basically. Unless you analyze the bottom line with a microscope, the instant gratification microwave generation doesn't even understand when they bid the price up, right? Well, the the, the important thing is uh, this whole this whole thing about the climate. It it, it depends. You you gotta you gotta get your hands around the entire issue of. Uh, you can't just say what the United States is going to do. You have to say what other countries are going to do. And, uh, uh, for instance, in the uh, Paris uh, Accord, uh, you're going to see uh, us paying uh, other countries, uh, less developed countries, uh, to help them uh, uh, help them uh, attack the uh, climate system as well as our own climate system. So. Uh, to me, uh, but again, this is like the, this is like the question that was just asked. It's a damn it's one, a one, good, one more comment. Good question. Even thirty years ago, a quality of earnings is something. It's not an asterisk, is it? It's something very important, isn't it? Right. Exactly. That's all I want to say. Amen. Don't 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 hide it in the footnotes. That's right. So thank you. Hey, John. Thank you very much for calling. It's good to hear from you again. Are you going out for a walk today? Maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take get care. Out there and, get out there and enjoy that sunshine. I'm good, going good to. Good to hear from you, John. You take care okay. now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, 
This is Jim Bacalis. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over the toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. You know, we were talking about uh, the employment picture and and uh, uh, the economy and stuff like that. Hey, you take a look at the factory orders. Factory orders for uh, 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 December. And basically what you're showing is that the factory orders uh, for manufactured goods are up uh, 1.1 percent, and uh, uh, they've been up. Uh, uh, that's according to the Department of uh, Commerce's monthly full report on manufacturers' shipment inventories and orders for December. So, uh, orders went up 1.1 percent. Uh, that was an increase of 5.2 billion to. Uh, uh, a total for the month of $493.5 billion. And uh, that's after it increased 1.3% in November, and it's been increasing uh, for the last uh, eight consecutive months. Basically, if you look back over this economy, this economy got uh, shut down in March and April, and it showed uh, a real shutdown. And it's basically been coming up ever since in the V-shaped recovery. Orders were up. Shipments increased 1.7% or $8.4 billion to $501 billion. And that's after an increase eight-tenths of a percent in November. And then if you take, if you break out durable goods, uh, manufactured goods, um, durable goods increased um, half a percent, or $1.2 billion, and shipments of durable goods increased 1.7%. And then if you take a look at non-durable goods, now the difference between non-durable and, and durable is and non-durable is uh, things like food preparation, refining, uh, basically processing, oil refining, and things of this nature. It means more processing rather than um, a durable manufacturing is, hey, I produce a re- refrigerator or a car or a washing machine that will last me for three years. So in case of uh, non-durable goods, uh, the orders were up uh, 1.7%. Orders were up $4 billion. Shipments were up uh, 1.7%. So uh, what you're seeing there is uh, manufacturing in December is in good shape. And if you take a look at the report, take a look at the numbers, what you see is that what they're spending on, you know, where the, where the increase in the orders uh, uh, came. And what you're seeing is in, uh, in just from November to December, uh, fabricated metal uh, products went up 1.2%. Machinery, uh, this is an indication of where these big companies with their uh, cash from the, the bond market as well as their earnings are putting their money. And uh, basically, machinery was up 2.7% for for one month. And the construction machinery uh, was up uh, of that. Construction machinery was up 2.3%. Oil and gas field machinery was up 13%. Industrial uh, machinery was up 5%. Uh, 
ventilation, heating, and air conditioning, that was down 1%. Metalworking machinery, up 8.4%. Uh, turbines, generators, heavy uh, electrical equipment, up 8.7%. These are monthly increases. Uh, materials handling, down 2%. Okay. Uh, what you're seeing there is that the, the companies, <coughs> excuse me, the companies are putting their money into, uh, uh, you know, uh, machinery and uh, processes, excuse me, for making more profits in the future. This is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. I'll be back in just a second. We're going hopping, hop, we're going hopping today When things are popping, pop, a Philadelphia way We're going to drop it, drop, on all the music they play On the bandstand We're going swinging, swing, we're going to swing in the crowd And we'll be clinging, clinging, and floating high as a cloud The phones are ringing, ring. my mom and dad are so proud I'm on bandstand, bandstand, and I'll jump and hey Welcome back, this is Jim McAleese again I had a little coffee spell there Uh... If you take a look at uh, the uh, manufacturing during December, that looks good. If you take a look at um, uh, the manufacturing for January, uh, that also looks good in terms of uh, uh, an organization called the the Market Corporation, uh, M-A-R-K-I-T. They put out a uh, purchasing manager's index. Uh, for manufacturing, and what that uh, shows you, what that does is they get uh, comments from all the uh, executives and people in the uh, 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 these companies that are involved in manufacturing, and what they do is uh, uh, put them in their proprietary um, computations or analysis, and they come up with a number. And if the number is... Uh, 50, why that means that uh, manufacturing is kind of neutral. It's just going along on a plateau. If it's greater than 50, it indicates that uh, uh, the manufacturing is picked up. And if it's less than 50, that means it's it's been a contraction. So you would expect that like in in March and April of this year, you you saw numbers that were in the 40s. there are definitely a contraction there. But let's take a look at their, uh, the uh, market corporation's uh, U.S. Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. And according to them, uh, the January Purchasing Managers Index hit a record high amid strong client demand. So according to the, their report, January uh, data from their, the corporation indicated a robust improvement in the health of U.S. manufacturing and alongside a severe deterioration in vendor performance, the headline figures are pushed up to a record high by accelerated expansion in output and new orders. In other words, basically, freely translated, that means uh, you got the new orders and you're ramping up the uh, production, and your vendors, your uh, suppliers, 
are having trouble meeting your requirements. Meanwhile, cost pressures intensified amid uh, raw material shortages. Firms were uh, were able to partially pass on the higher costs with selling prices rising at the fastest pace since uh, July of 2008. So a robust business confidence uh, was reflected in the strongest rise of workforce numbers for two years as pressure on capacity increased once again. The seasonally adjusted uh, uh, market corporations uh, purchasing managers index posted 59.2 in January, up from 57.1 in uh, December. The latest data signaled a substantial improvement in operating conditions among manufacturers and the most marked uh, improvement since uh, data collection began in uh, May of 2007. Now, according to Chris Williamson, who is their uh, chief business economist at Market Corporation, quote, U.S. manufacturing started 2021 on an encouraging strong footing with production and order books growing at the fastest rate in over six years. Demand from both domestic and export uh, customers picked up sharply in January, buoyed by several driving forces. Uh, consumer demand has improved while businesses are investing in more equipment and restocking warehouses, preparing for better times ahead as vaccines roll out, uh, allowing life to increasingly return to normal over the course of 2021. Manufacturers are encountering major supply problems, especially in relation to uh, sourcing input from overseas due to the lack of uh, shipping capacity. Lead times are lengthening to an extent not previously seen in the survey's history, meaning costs are rising as firms struggle to source sufficient quantities of input to meet production needs. These higher costs are being passed on to customers in the form of higher prices. Uh, so basically what you're seeing there is that uh, the manufacturing in uh, January is, was in good shape, as well as uh, manufacturing in uh, uh, the uh, December was also in good shape, too. It was up 1.1%. Now, there's another organization called the Institute of Supply Management, and they also address uh, what they're seeing in terms of uh, manufacturing. And uh, uh, according to, uh, uh, to the gentleman, uh, Timothy uh, Boye, uh, he, he indicates that uh, uh, the manufacturing economy continues its recovery. Uh, survey committee members report that the companies and suppliers continue to operate in reconfigured factories, but absenteeism, short-term shutdowns, sanitized facilities, uh, that's all taking its toll. Of the six largest manufacturing industries, five of them, chemical products, fabricated metal products, transportation equipment, food, beverage, and tobacco products and computer and electronics, they registered uh, strong growth in January. Uh, 
And if you take a look at uh, what some of the respondents from industry said, uh, uh, supplier factory capacity is well utilized, uh, increased demand, labor constraints, and upstream supply delays are pushing lead times. This is more prevalent with international than U.S. suppliers. That's according to your uh, computer and electronic products groups. Chemical products, their business remains strong. Manufacturing is running at full capacity. Transportation equipment says very strong demand with limitations in supply to meet increased demand. Uh, the uh, fabricated metal products, our current business demand is going way past uh, COVID-19, uh, pre-COVID-19 uh, levels. So uh, the, the uh, basically the business is good. And if you look at uh, the comments, the overall comments, from the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, executives, what you see is that 37% uh, said that their new order book, their order, their book for new orders, 37% said that this month is better than last month. Only 12% said it was worse. Production-wise, 31% said that hey, we're producing more this month than we did last month. Backlog of orders, 32% said that their backlog of orders is increasing. So what you're seeing there is uh, in, in, in improvement in that part of the economy that isn't subjected to the, uh, like the restaurants, to, to the COVID. <clears throat> if you take a look at the employment picture, <clears throat> the employment picture uh, it came out from the uh, employment situation report from the Department of Labor. That was kind of disappointing in the sense that they showed only 49,000 uh, new jobs in uh, January, uh, but apparently they revised what they uh, had previously shown in December and November, and uh, they revised the numbers of uh, jobs lost in December to an even lower number. So December was originally reported as 140,000 jobs lost. And this is, this is all due to the COVID. And uh, now they revised it to a negative 227,000, almost another 100,000 jobs that were lost in December. But we're coming out of it. And uh, uh, all the better for it. What we're seeing here is that uh, um, the big picture, the private sector, gained only about 6,000 jobs in January. And uh, this is where uh, we have a workforce of 121.1 uh, million people. And the, uh, uh, we saw in uh, manufacturing, manufacturing lost 10,000 jobs, construction lost 3,000, mining, which includes gas and oil exploration, they increased uh, 9,000 uh, jobs. And you can see it. You can kind of see it from the uh, the price of oil. In other words, the price of oil uh, a month ago was $52 a barrel for the West Texas Intermediate, and now it's $57 a barrel. So uh, the... the uh, 
what parts of the economy did we see an increase in in terms of employment? And what we saw was we saw 97,000 new jobs in professional and business services. Uh, these are both the uh, the uh, tech services as well as the uh, accountants and engineers and all the rest of the stuff. And then the biggest things was in employment increases in local government education, which I did not really understand because we had a big drop-off in, in education in both the state levels and the uh, uh, local levels in December. And now we have a big jump-up. Local government education added 49,000. State government education, your state schools, they added 36,000. And private education added 34,000. Didn't understand what that was uh, really all about. But uh, the, the, the idea here is that uh, when the COVID began to rise in uh, uh, October, uh, we saw a lot of restrictions and a lot of uh, uh, places that were laying off. We got the debt continued to rise up through the holidays and is now going the other direction. So we've seen increases in employment for every month last year after March and April, except for December. December showed, showed that there was a lot of uh, issues in terms of un unemployment. But now in January, we're starting to uh, increase. So basically, if you take a look at what happened last week in the stock market, we'll see that optimism and that, that, that people are looking forward to both the COVID, uh, both the $1.9 trillion stimulus, because the standard and four five hundred closed at uh, 3,886.83, and the standard and four five hundred was up uh, basically 4.6%. Uh, for the week, and uh, people are looking forward to getting this situation under control, getting moving again, and uh, it all hinges, as far as I'm concerned, it really all hinges on uh, them paying attention to this uh, inoculations and picking up the pace. Uh, it's like any organization. We've all been in organizations where hey, the word comes down from on high uh, that we're going to pick up the pace and you better pick it up because otherwise you're going to get left You're going to get left on the outside. That's all there is to it. But apparently something straight tech's working this way. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Super Bowl weekend, and we have been bombarded with news about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all their players and all their information. And But if we look at this, this information won't stay with us for very long. In fact, let's take a little quiz. You know, we'll see how you, you retain this information. Let's say... Can you name the last five Heisman Trophy winners? Uh, maybe can you name the 
five wealthiest people in the world? Oh, you don't have to write these things down. You just have to think about them. Can you name the last five winners of the Miss America contest? Can you name 10 people who have won the Nobel or the Pulitzer Prize? Can you name the last five Academy Award winners for the best actor and actresses? Well, how did you do? Well, the point is, none of us remember the headlines of yesterday. These are not, we're talking about, these are not second-rate achievers. These are the best in their field. But when the applause dies, the awards tarnished, the achievements are forgotten, the accolades and certificates are buried with their owners. Let's talk about another quiz. Name three teachers who aided you in your journey through school. Name three friends who helped you through a difficult time. Name five people who taught you something worthwhile. Think of the people who made you feel appreciated and special. And what you see is that the people who made a difference in your life aren't the ones with the most credentials, the most money, or the most uh, rewards. They're the ones who care. And caring and helping is what life is all about. So care and help this week. And until we meet again next week, for more Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.